Okay, are we on the air here? I think we are. Okay, uh, forget the music. Hi, good morning, everybody. You're listening to The Skinny here on WMNF 88.5 FM. I'm Mitch Perry, reporter with the Florida Phoenix, joined by my colleagues, as I am every each and every Friday morning, Ray Rowe with Creative Loafing, Ben Montgomery. Hi, guys. Hey, morning. How are we doing? Mitch. Yeah, we just slide right into it this morning. Yeah, why not here? Um, and by the way, so thank you so much for joining us. We were going to have a Representative Michelle Rayner Goolsby on the program. Really looking forward to speaking with her uh, because, um, you know, she's got a lot to say, certainly about all the legislation that went through in the past couple of months up in Tallahassee. Unfortunately, she had a death in the family last night, and I learned about that early this morning, and so she can't be with us today. She will definitely be coming on in a program in the future, and we really look forward to having her on here. So what we're going to do, we're going to pivot here. We're going to go uh, stay here local. And I, important news. Yeah, well, definitely Big important news. news. Uh, co- you know, a couple of things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the uh, the Tampa 4s they're calling them, right? Tampa uh, 5 Tampa now. Five, yeah, okay, Tampa 4, Tampa 5. The, the incident happened at USF a couple months ago with some protests and people there that are are in trouble now. Have, you know, we're going to talk about that. But also, we're going to hopefully to talk right now. Um, you might have seen in the news uh, the last 24 hours here. By the way, so Governor DeSantis was in Tampa on Wednesday. He was at this evangelical Christian school in West Tampa with his Let's Kids Be Kids uh, legislation, where he signed five different bills, including banning uh, sexual reassignment surgery for minors, an expansion of the Don't Say Gay bill, which now ensures that Florida students and teachers will not have to declare their pronouns in school. And there was also SB 1438. That's which, um, that is what prohibits a person, business establishment from knowingly admitting a child to an adult live performance. Uh, and, and this has been interpreted, and in fact, the governor said this as uh, impacting drag shows and making sure that youngsters or people under the age of 21 will not be able to see them. And we're hoping that now, you might have seen, so there's an event here in Tampa every year now, um, Tampa uh, what's, what's it called? Pride on the River. Pride on the River, Happens thank on you. on the uh, Hillsborough River, kind of runs from the Water Street area. They have some brunches down there um, at the hotels, the Marriott, and the boats go up and down. It ends at Armature Works. They have big fireworks display. It's a pretty cool party. Have you, like, have you attended? Uh, so, full disclosure, at, at Creative Loafing, we uh, assist with a, uh, a Pride Guide type of uh, uh, book for them. And um, so I know a, a lot about it. There's high visibility for the LGBTQ plus community. Right. It's a great party on, on the river i mean as everybody knows now at this point the river is a great place to hang out waterworks park is great so it was a really great event uh two years in but uh no yeah, more yeah and so, and so we're working yes. on trying to get yes. you do have okay so we've got uh carrie west on the on the fireworks carrie are, are you there good morning hey morning. carrie so carrie of course is uh head of tampa pride here in tampa and uh carrie so you were the guy who announced yesterday to the bay area to the world essentially that the pride on the river event will not be taking place this september and what's what went into the calculation of you deciding not to do this this year well the tampa pride board had a meeting and we had to go through and configure out what is going to be happening with the climate of Florida. And what we've decided upon is that it just didn't work out in our favor of having a drag performance, which usually Pride on the River is dedicated to go in the downtown area and with entertainment and a lot of music acts 
and a festival area. And of course, we'll be other, as you made mention, the drag brunches and also our boat parade. And it's at the starts at the downtown, right at the convention center with the different hotels with the brunches, the drag brunches. They might still be continuing this year with, with different hotels having drag brunches. And then furthering on, they take the boats up to the Armature Works. And Armature Works, then they have a great big, huge staged area where we have a lot of area, uh, musical artists, aerialists, magicians, um, singers, performers, and of course, a lot of drag acts. And our big headliners, of course, have been from RuPaul, Drag Race, and those are the big headliners that bring in thousands and thousands of people. Wow, so this is pretty significant that you're not going to be doing it this year. Uh, and Very big. Yeah, yeah, and you said it, uh, it's obviously the, the impact of the, the culture here uh, fostered by Frankly, Governor DeSantis and the legislation that was passed, we're talking specifically about that bill that was passed that he signed in Tampa just on Wednesday. And there are serious fines for this, uh, $5,000 for a first violation and $10,000 for a subsequent uh, violation if a person or a restaurant knowingly admits a child to an adult live performance. Uh, now, Carrie, let me ask you this, you know, is the bill itself never mentions the words drag in there. And so... There are some who think that uh, this is, if nothing else, it's designed to do what basically you, your board did th- this week, and that is to intimidate you to that even if potentially maybe a drag performance could be, you know, interpreted as not being quote unquote lewd, which is also a word in the bill. But nevertheless, the, the, the intention is maybe just to stop, you know, as much drag performances is happening in the state of Florida. And, uh, you know, in the case of uh, Pride on the River being canceled, mission accomplished for the governor. Uh, what are your think, thoughts about that? Well, we, we had to make uh, the decision was made before he signed the bill. Mm-hmm. And we went through and looking at other prides. One of them, of course, we have to take a look at is down in Fort Lauderdale in Wilt Manors. They will not have any drag queens on the floats this year. Uh, that was just a recent call. Uh, we have a lot of prides in the area, and, and we this is not our main Tampa pride now, which is in right. March. Right. I want to clarify that, because a lot of people are getting confused. Right. We have to have pride in Tampa. Well, we do. This is one that the downtown partnerships and a lot of different organizations and businesses have asked Tampa Pride, if you'd please come and take on a, an opportunity to do an event downtown area. And that's what we've done. Three was, We started four years ago, and now we're coming up to uh, and, and planning and making the plans to have this event. And as long as they support us downtown, we want to do that and continue to do that because this isn't just about Tampa. It's all about Hillsborough County and the whole Tampa Bay area. And that's one thing we've been very positive about. And by going through there, we are noticing one thing is we have had, in, even during Tampa Pride in March, um, there has been, uh, there's People had gone innuendos out from the offices out of Tallahassee to different corporate sponsors that, you know, if you go with this, you know, there there might not be so much um, funding for you for working with the state of Florida. Mm. So they have been threatened. Mm. Now, this is still going on right now with other prides going on, major prides. And so I don't know how far this is going to go down, but, you know, the innuendo doesn't go. If you don't have money, you can't have an event. And, if you know, it doesn't all come from, you know, gratis and saying, oh, this is just fun. Let's just have an event. Uh, insurances. Okay. I wish that during the legislature they would have done and carried on the event about going through there about homeowners insurance and about car insurance and look about affordable, you know, housing for Florida. This is really really getting to be disastrous. You know, you can't just have uh, all these great big huge 
huge businesses coming in, but people can't afford to work there. Carrie, this is Ben Montgomery. Um, so hey, you're, ben. you're telling this is uh, the, the, the impetus was this was driven by the business community. They wanted a pride uh, on the River Festival. Is that right? Is that, that right? That is, yeah, that so is you're, correct. You're reading the room here. You and the board are reading the room and hearing that they're now being threatened. Uh, that that they might lose some lucrative contracts with the state or uh, have a more difficult time having a relationship with the state of Florida if they continue to support this event and and re in that read you all decided to play it safe and to and to stop this event well am I, am I saying that correctly you are saying it very correctly okay wow and and one of the situations is there now this we don't like bullies and we are not an advocacy we are 501c3 we are not a c4 mm -hmm. so we cannot go out and advocate and go petition riot and go protest and everything in that area we can do that underneath the guise of another organization that we can go and mutually go in a bunch of people forming that that opinion but one of the things that still stands out about this is that this, how is this going on and being bullied? This is one organization. This is, well, we are not just one. There's many organizations that are being triggered upon, but you know, this happens to be part of the transgender uh, family that's part of the LGBT family. And, and it just goes to say, okay, we're, we're taking away medical insurances and we have doctors that say they don't have to go and treat you if you're LGB, okay? If you're LGBT, you don't have to, we don't have to take you as a patient. Now that's one of the rights out there also that's very important to, the, to us. There's, there right now there's 12 major bills that could be passed by the governor. Those are now five, only five have been passed and there's gonna be, there's still plenty on the plate that he's gonna keep going after. So he's makes this autocratic run for president and dictator of this country. And if, uh, if you're just joining us, that's the voice of Tampa Pride board president, Kerry West. We're discussing the decision to cancel Pride on the River, not the, the springtime Pride Parade in, in Ybor, but Pride on the River, a downtown event that happens in the fall. Um, we welcome any phone calls on this, 813-239-9663. You can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. Kerry, I, I have a question to piggyback off of what... Um, Ben was saying, um, sure. can you talk a little bit about the conversation specifically that you had with, with the downtown partnership and, and how they view this? And then I would also ask you, you know, recently uh, the mayor was on a telethon, drag um, isn't dangerous. And she said, during my 30 years in law enforcement, I learned what's dangerous to our communities and it's not drag shows. Um, I reached out to the city yesterday to see if, if the mayor had a comment on, on the decision uh, to cancel Tampa Pride on the River, and I've not heard back yet. What have your conversations with the mayor been like, um, and would it be convenient for you if the, if the mayor spoke out about that? Uh, very positive. Mayor Jane's very positive about this, uh, and I'll let her speak on behalf of what her interpretation is. We have gotten the in innuendo, and of course, even in the speech, he made mention about the drag shows, and of course, we can't afford to lose because next year is going to be our 10 year anniversary. That's very big for the Tampa Bay community. It brings in hundred thousands of people coming in this area. So when you start having tens of thousands coming into the Tampa Bay area, we get coverage 
that goes across the country uh, on live coverage of the Tampa Pride Parade, Diversity Parade, and also our festival. And the music and musicians, the people we bring in. So that goes from California to Maine to Washington. Up, it goes all the way down to all parts of Florida and all parts of the country. And so that's very important to we're working on our 10-year multi-day event for next year, 2024 in March. That one is covered in, and it just brings that many people for a family-friendly day down in Ybor City. But they had seen down there at the beginning was, you know, this is one thing, it's a little bit away from the downtown area. It's away from a lot of the businesses. And they were just asking, is there an opportunity that maybe the downtown could have when we had gotten the conversation started that there could be an opportunity that the downtown could be sharing in uh, as part of the Tampa Pride events? Mm -hmm. And how that worked out was to move from one area to another, just because we don't have the transportation, we do have the streetcar, but to try to get that many people moved from one logistic to another, that would be a headache. But what we did do is say, you know, we do have an event, we do in the springtime, we have the spring breakers, we have a lot of conventions, we have a lot of people that fly in, we have the hotels filled up. We take care of that. We we have a lot of money that is spent during that week. A lot of people come and stay in Tampa for Tampa Pride. Yeah. But I, if we do another event for the fall, that would be opposite, a slower time. That would also start creating the same event, start small, and then we'll create another activity and see what we can do. And that was the best plan we had was going through, please support, uh, put your flags out. Uh, uh, showcase an event downtown uh, and and just be supportive if you want us to be supportive because there's so many LGBT that do work downtown Tampa and it's all about the whole county and people have supported us by coming in with boats and people that have coming in to gone to the different variety of drag shows and events and also gone to the festival and then there's a great place by having it at Armature Works they take care of all the liquor themselves they take care of all the food mm -hmm. and also what we do and we supply the stage and but the one thing that's gone up again is well, you have a festival, we have our great big huge annual festival insurance policy, but for an event, for security reasons, we have to go and have another festival insurance policy right, that we have to right. take in place. That that is something that the last couple of years has now grown extremely, and that's it, it gets yeah. to be very expensive. Again, if you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to The Skinny here on WMNF. We're speaking with Carrie West from Tampa Pride regarding the announcement this week that they're canceling the uh, Pride of the River event. Carrie, we just have you for another minute or so here. Uh, got a, 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 a note from uh, one of the listeners, and by the way, people can write in at dj at wmnf.org or call it sure. 81323 yes. 99663. Carrie, we'll let you go. But after this, I want to ask you this question that uh, Jeff wrote to us. He said, quote, I've heard some conservatives make the argument that they, when they're putting limitations on certain functions, such as a drag event, it's not being anti-LGBTQ, but an effort to protect minors from adult-oriented content. Is there any validity to what they say, or do you have a counter-argument? What do you say to that? I, I actually, you know, we've had out there um, start growing up out there with uh, Flip Wilson and growing up on TV. Uh, you start growing up and seeing different drag shows on TV. It can be on any age, on any station, the RuPaul drag phase right now. And that's going on, what, around 12, 15 years now that's getting real popular. So at any age, the the dynamics of the number of people that come there happens to be a very young audience. Uh, and... and 
it's not at all uh, adult. And what I'm saying is, right. it's not, you know, he's putting it as an adult. Right. Uh, adult wide performance. Adult. That's the word. Now, Kerry, I have to say this to you before we go, because you mentioned this about what's going on in Wilton Manors. Now, I did talk to Chris Caputo yesterday. He's a city commissioner in Wilton Manors, and he says it's actually been somewhat misreported about what they're doing down there. They did pass, change a little bit of the law to make sure that nobody gets in trouble. But he says they're going to have drag still at their big event next uh, next month. Um, That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So he says, well, the, let me quote you. He says, well, the language is certainly vague in the bill. I certainly believe that the performances that we've had and expect to have in the future are of artistic and political value, that they're not lewd in nature. So even though this bill does carve out some scenarios where it attempts to ban certain public conduct, I don't believe it's the type of conduct that we've had at our Stonewall Prides in the past drag performances. And so he says he definitely doesn't want to do anything to young people. He thinks it was good to have laws that protect young people. But he says he says he's encouraged. He's going to have his eight year old daughter come to this event and they're going to have drag there. So they're not being uh, intimidated about this. No, that's true. We we have drag at our in our springtime. It just happens to be in 18 and up. Okay, so that's exactly yeah. what they are doing. Also, this one here, we have no fencing. Right. We can't stop other young people coming in, and and that's one of the nice things about uh, the event that we had to make and choose on this because we didn't have the opportunity to close it out. Sure. You don't have a chance on an open area to close out there and fence in if they want to go through this, and especially now that this law has been passed and put into place. You know, I mean, uh, we, it was just I mean unbelievable yesterday because I mean it's being recorded in people from uh, Canada from Scotland, England, and Alaska, Hawaii. Um, you know, last night it was on MSNBC. I, we, I couldn't believe watching it last night. You know, they're talking about Tampa, but this is, again, taking away one of your rights. And this is just one group. What is it going to do to the next group? And the next group, we have to stop and just listen and make sure this is feasible. And if it is something that's non-threatening, it's this is just nonsense. This is plain nonsense. You don't this think wording. this is the courage to be free, as the governor calls it? There is no freedom here. There is no freedom on this thing. I wish I could be. We had 500 drag queens. You had organizers. You had different organizations and people that went up to Tallahassee. And they protested and they marched peacefully yeah. up there in Tallahassee, which I think you guys covered. Yeah. It was a great event. And so the whole event policy and, and promise is that they just don't want anything. And then we, one of the, what actually one of the senators said, we really want to eradicate the LGBT from the state of Florida. Oh, now that is things that need to be heard. What is this guy? This guy's out of, and he was voted in. That's the crazy part. So we want to take pride in what we are. What I love is I love the Tampa Bay area and central Florida area because, you know, we are we're the kind of the spotlight and the sunshine to the rest of the country and what we do because we're very open. We got great sports. We have great education. Great companies are seeing that and they see what we do in art. And by the way, do you know what drag stands for? No. Rich, I know. Mitch, you probably know, but do you know what drag stands for? I, drag I, stands I have no for, idea. Okay. It started in, <laughs> in medieval, the medieval times. Clueless cis, cis dudes. <laughs> Very well. Hey, hey, sis, dudes. <laughs> um, but drag came out as doing. Okay, drag stands for doing role as girl. Drag. That's how it came about. Now, if you're working in front and doing a production, which is doing arts and also in theater, then in front of sovereign or monarchs, if you did it in front of kind of royalty, that was foot 
called Drag in Front of Sovereignty or Drag Queen. Mm. Oh, interesting. There you go. Okay. A little, little lesson yeah, for you Yeah, thank guys. you. A little, all right, some education for us. All right, we're going to let you go, Carrie. We thank you so much for being on the show Mitch, today. thank you, guys. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, you very Ray. much. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Okay. Back. you. Again, Have Carrie a great West. day, and thank you for the opportunity. All right, all right. So there you go, Carrie West from Tampa Pride. Now, I will say, so again, mentioning that Wilton Manors, they have apparently 50,000 at their big Pride event, and this, this, this city councilman, uh, Caputo, I talked to yesterday, he says they're doing they're, they're not being stopped. I mean, at least that's what he says now. He says what they interpret the law being says that they don't he doesn't believe that their drag performances they have down there in Wilton Manors is lewd, is anything that is a sexual. Again, that's what he's telling me. So they're right now they say they're going to go ahead and do this with kids watching them down in South Florida. So they're not stopping. They're not letting this bill uh, at least on the record so far say they're going to stop them from having a full-on event like they usually do, inviting people from all ages attending down there in South Florida. You know, it's something that, that we're not talking about. I don't know that we can figure this out right now in this part of the show, but enforcement of these these kinds of things, right? I, I know in St. Pete, the police have kind of spoken up a little bit, but then we talk about, you know, at Wold Manors, they're going to do this yeah. thing. If if somebody well, from the state yeah. wanted to set, have some kind of enforcement arm, what does it look like? Well, right. I, what you I know? think it's going to be, it's going to be people who like say they, they don't, they like these laws, right? They're going to be out there with their cell phones out there and they're going to try to find a, a child and seeing this, this person was here over here. I mean, I don't know. It's like the bathroom bill, which they passed, right? Which I think DeSantis also signed this week, which is they actually scale that back a little bit because it's like, who's enforcing this, right? And they've actually limited it now uh, somewhat to like public spaces where this is can be enforced because- and and I, I don't even want to talk much about it because I can't believe that you know frankly this is a um, these quote unquote bathroom bills were just be- debated 2016 I think North Carolina was one of the first places that talked about it we're behind the times here right it's 2023 and our legislature is now doing this here um, you know again Equality Florida called it a slate of hate uh, when these uh, bills were passed this day but again you got to wonder it, how how this is hurting Florida if this is hurting Florida in terms of business right I mean we know yesterday right uh, about Disney. Uh, Disney announcing that um, they're not going to do this big project uh, that was going to be a lot of jobs, a lot of money. Some questions about north it. of twenty two thousand jobs. A big relocation, two thousand people from California to Florida. Um, some kind of investment. I heard to the tune of one billion dollars. Where else is this hurting? Because when we were talking about bathroom bills in North Carolina, I think it was the. Uh, there was a convention or, or an all-star game. No, that was... Uh, there was uh, business backlash. NCAA tournament decided Yeah, not you know, to, Ben, that's yeah. interesting because we haven't... I mean, well, I guess the example has been Disney, right? We haven't really heard. You think about it, where business has been prevalent on a progressive level in Florida has been on these uh, LGBTQ issues. For years, they were trying... The Equality Florida folks were trying to get a bill passed to include uh, sex, uh, gender, uh, inter- and orientation as part of an anti-discrimination law here. Uh, and that went on and they had a lot of Republican co-sponsors on the legislation and a lot of you know big businesses backing that and that never really you know pushed the needle the, the legislature was not intimate or influenced at all by the business community but speaking to what happened last year we again the intimidation factor where um, and it goes to the book stuff that we talked about the book banning in terms of who wants to speak out on this now there are folks who will for sure but uh, you said going back to North Carolina and the all-star games right we saw this appropriately or not uh, what was it the Major League Baseball opted not to have their all-star game in uh, Georgia a couple of years ago. Again, maybe that election bill was maybe not that terrible because, you know, they had to, you know, they, a lot of people voted ultimately in the Georgia elections, those special elections when they got uh, Warner in and, and Ossoff. Um, but uh, nevertheless, 
uh, MLB said we don't want to be involved with it. We, you know, and, and as we know, this is a Ron DeSantis has been seizing on this. He says that these companies have been coming too political, woke, too woke, right? Too woke, right? And this is the land where woke goes to die, quote unquote. <laughs> but nevertheless, so but but we are not really hearing much from businesses uh, again in terms of like thinking that this is going to be bad for business because in again other states, I mean. We have really seen. We've heard that uh, even in, even in um, on these gender reassignment bills, there have been governors. I think Utah Republican governors who have vetoed the bills that were passed by their legislature. So you know it, it's it's, but it's all come together here uh, under Governor DeSantis and a legislature, an acquiescent Republican legislature, <laughs> ninety nine of them which endorsed Ron out of the one hundred thirteen Republicans earlier this week. And by the way, he has adroitly done this. He has not yet uh, signed the budget, the one hundred seventeen billion dollar budget, which is going to happen within the next week or so. We know this. He's talked about it before he officially announces his candidacy. And I think it's been very adroit on his part because nobody wants to get their projects vetoed, obviously. Uh, they want the funding for that. And, and he's already talked about it. I won't do as many vetoes as last year, where I think he vetoed a record $3 billion out of what was then a record. And including a restoration billion. for Tampa's own uh, Purity Springs. Yes, right. yes. Yeah. And it will be interesting. And, and he de- there definitely will be vetoes, but it will be interesting to see, again, which ones they are. We're all waiting for that because uh, – but he got all these legislators who don't want to get on his bad side, uh, Republicans who came out. There's only a handful who are still neutral in the race. We know Joe Gruder from Sarasota is already is definitely a Donald Trump person, but – excuse me. Everybody else is basically saying, Ron, we want you for president Please, best of luck to you on that. <laughs> and by the way, as we know this week, we should you know mention before we go to our next guest here is that, uh, in fact, uh, it was announced in the last 48 hours that, of course, uh, Ron DeSantis will probably make it official next Wednesday. He will file the paperwork to the Federal Election Commission and then an announcement in person, uh, which I hope is going to be in Dunedin because we wrote about it yesterday in the Florida Phoenix, uh, is going to probably happen after Memorial Day. So it's definitely going to be happening here very soon. So my question is, what? how is candidate DeSantis different from Governor DeSantis? Uh, right. That right. is that. I mean, that's that's a I good mean, question. Do you, do do you think he's going to? Well, for one, he's, he's going to be asked a lot tougher questions. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mitch reported in the Florida Phoenix, and I like this quote from uh, former Dunedin Mayor Bob uh, Hackworth, um, who noted that um, in in Dunedin, community business have been prominent. LGBTQ uh, businesses have been there, and you know, going back to DeSantis growing up, there where he'll he'll make this announcement. We don't know exactly where, but uh, Hackworth said, if you're going to make the argument that drag shows are bad. For for kids, well, how do you turn out? All right, right. He told the Phoenix, <laughs> right, right, right. So, so I don't know. DeSantis is going to be facing some tough questions. So we will see what the candidate. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, you know, somebody covers him, you know, and, and it's, I think if you're into politics, I mean, whether you like it or not, you know. In fact, Ron was quoted in the New York Times overnight. Um, he was on a conference call yesterday with donors, and he said basically, and he may be right, that there's only three people who are going to be the next president: Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or himself. And he was calculating that it's really going to be between him and Biden. Obviously, he's you know that's his whole goal here in running for the Republican nomination. Um, what do people think of that? Uh, we've got a few minutes before we go to our next guest. Uh, so eight one three two three nine nine six. Mitch, you're going to be out next week. Yeah, you know, let's tell vote, well, listeners, voters. Uh, well, you probably were <laughs> voters out here, the, the constituents. Uh, yeah, I'll be out next week. I'll be actually in the, in going back home to California, uh, Bay Area, Napa. There's a big music festival, the Bottle Rock Festival. Okay, which is what I love about this is that. It's a Napa, right? So you know there's going to be good wine there because a lot of these music festivals, rock, they have 
all the craft beer in the world. They've got all these different cocktails and wine. Ah, you know, whatever. No, this is going to be high level. Uh, so anyway, I will be there next week. And then, we, by the way, one of what our listeners know, in a, what June 9th, I think, is when we're coming back with our next fundraiser and uh, priming the pump right now. If you enjoy what we're doing on this program or think we could do something different, we'd love to hear from you. But we're also going to be asking you for contributions at that time. But yes. And uh, by the way, a future guest will be uh, State Senator Jeff Brandis, former state senator uh, Jeff Brandis, uh, very iconoclastic. Republican uh, who was no longer in the legislature actually just created a public policy think tank, and we'll be talking with him. We're going to have him on hopefully in June at some point. And uh, to prime, prime the pump a little more, so so Mitch going to be uh, Ben and I are workshopping an idea for a show yeah. here. We we're talking about uh, this press conference that we all missed this morning at Hotel Hyatt. Daryl Shaw um, announcing what kind of leaked about a week ago is that he's bringing a USL um, soccer professional women's soccer team um, to Ebor City. Um, so. Um, the USL confirmed it after uh, the, the leaked website um, came out this morning. They had a press conference. I, I just got a uh, update. Want to help name Tampa's new professional women's soccer team. Uh, so they're going to look to the community to help name it, maybe pick some colors um, and, and things like that. And, and to those who are unfamiliar, Daryl Shaw owns many, many parcels um, in Ybor City. And we started talking about how much Ebor is changing and how, you know, Daryl Shaw has told the business journal, you know, I don't really understand um, the nightclubs. And then we actually had a debate before the show started. Yeah. How much is, is Ebor, you know, going to change? Ben's first story for the Tampa Tribune, <laughs> his editor early, told him, early, yeah. go talk to the people in Ebor and get Something a Something bad had happened, yes. There had been, there'd been a stabbing at the masquerade. You remember it was 2005? Go get a feel of what it's like in Ebor City right now. There was an, a real effort to try to sort of bring Ebor back from something. I don't know what it had been before 2005, but people were trying to bring it back. Safety is a part of that. Uh, Safety had been shattered. And I I just remember bumping into a whole ton of people who were just having a blast, a great time, including one guy who... um, who fooled me? Uh, uh, I, I uh, thought I was quoting uh, Otis Redding, and um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, who, who did <laughs> Animal House? Who was the guy, the Otis from Animal House? Uh, what's that? Otis Day. Otis Day. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I met Otis Day in Ybor City. It turns out it was a guy who just tells people he's Otis okay. Day. He looks just like him. He's been doing this in Ybor for 20 or 30 years. Yeah, but we were joking that like Creative Loafing every five, six years writes a story about um, Ybor City. Yeah, I did one um, a decade demise. or so ago. Mitch has done one. I've done one. <laughs> Eric Snyder before me. So we're going to talk about the next week. That's going to so, be a big uh, yeah, segment. I think we like show. to have an Ybor-centric show and um, maybe we can get Daryl Shaw on it. He doesn't talk oh, a lot. That would be a coup. Hey, by the way, we've got, a, we've got a caller here. We've got oh, a Oh. Greg from uh, Lakewind. Hi, Greg. Hi. How you guys doing? Great. Great. Hey, um, I just have one little thought that all us progressives are, I believe, missing. That if Ron Boy wants to complain about us being woke, well, does that mean he's asleep? <laughs> I think okay. the etymology of woke goes goes way back, doesn't it? I mean, um, well, you know, we were going to have Michelle uh, Rader. Of course, we said earlier she's not on, but she'll be coming. Michelle Rader during the legislative session at one point said that the black community uh, woke uh, is like the little n word is what she said. Huh. That that's that provocative. 
And when you throw out, you know, so derisively as, as, as a big thing, I mean, Elon Musk has talked about how he hates woke and, you know, it's a big thing. It goes beyond Ron DeSantis. He is the avatar of trying to kill it in its crib here in the state of Florida. But um, for for folks, uh, you know, people of color and other folks, it, it is uh, offensive to be so uh, talk about how you want to end woke. And there's a whole derivation of why we have these more higher, you know, again, I mean, we can argue about what is more excessive and not in terms of trying to be inclusive and all the, the other things that can go with into the that. The thing is, this is different from the sort of anti-intellectualism of, let's say, George W. Bush. Like, this is a racially tinged, uh, coded anti-intellectualism, right? It's not, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a criticism of an enlightenment about racism in society, and and for that reason, it you know strikes a lot of people as yeah you know because, because like when Donald Trump won right one of the things we heard about was like it was uh, anti political correctness right there was a, this this attitude about the media being too you know telling people what they should think and 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 there was a pushback to that and I think there's something to that and the, the mainstream media me, me, misses a lot about you know people and, and what have you. So, it, but it goes beyond that from like being anti-PC to now being anti-woke. And right, there's a whole racial, very much part of that. And it really flies in, the, when, it, when you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, getting rid of that, those are things that really have only been around for a few years. The, the, the George Floyd protests of 2020 is what brought so many businesses and colleges, universities to adopt those practices. You know, there haven't been around for that long. It was, and that was a reaction to what some would argue is the biggest civil rights movement we've seen in, you know, 50 years, those, those protests back in the summer of 2020. Uh, so the, the pushback from that is, again, part of what's fueled, in my opinion, Ron DeSantis's you know, uh, ascent nationally as a national figure. Again, it's going to be so interesting, though, you guys, as he goes on this national uh, search now to win the uh, Republican nomination, because, again, we've said it many times here on the show that we've only been on for a few months. What's playing down here in the Sunshine State the last few months, the last few years since he's been in office, is that going to play across America, you know, in terms of him being a hero? I, I go back to simply the, the, the six-week abortion ban, which I'm still surprised he actually signed that, because I think... If you're, wanting, if you're wanting to win the nomination, yeah, I guess you do that. You think about going to the center later. Um, but is that is that move to the center, if that ever happens, going to be credible when you've done so much here? To the this right. is what I'm wondering about the difference. Yeah. This is why I'm wondering about the difference between candidate uh, DeSantis and, and right. Governor DeSantis. Like, how does he shift from here? Because if you recall, his first 100 days in office, there were a lot of Absolutely. Democrats who were sort of cheering. On the, I on the environment? Kreisman saying, who is this guy? This is right. awesome. He came out with Matt Gates on uh, some me- medical marijuana stuff. And then came COVID. Oh, that changed it all. And then came a, a hard switch, uh, followed by criticism of Fauci and Biden. It became Florida versus the federal government in many and, respects. And keeping it open and keeping you know, and the whole thing with the vaccinations, which, by the way, Ron got a shot and it was on TV live. And now he, like, he, he'll never talk about that. Right? He's become kind of adopted. Although, and he he, also, by the way, he, he mentioned this because, because you mentioned that, though, Ben. And right, I, I, I find it interesting because I think that you're we know this is what really elevated him, uh, COVID, and how he reacted to it down here in Florida. Florida and it, but do people still care? Because it's been three years, and obviously COVID's still very much around for sure. But nevertheless, it's not in our lives every day. But it's it's a part of his golden golden hit, his greatest hits. And he mentioned it the other day when he was in Tampa. And I really thought it was really weird that he went to that when he was talking about his one of the bills he signed was about uh, high school kids and about athletics. 
and how they could they could compete in athletics down here when they couldn't in other states. And he said he was so I felt so sorry, but he really got into this. I thought a bit of a nostalgia kick from a couple of years ago because and it's like we've kind of you know for better or worse. You know, some people say he handled it really poorly. Others think he handled it great, what have you. But nevertheless, it's we're not talking about it so much anymore, but it's part of his brand of what he The is. interesting thing is what happened uh, between his close election in 2018 and his huge election over Charlie Crisp by nearly 20 percentage points in 2020. Sorry, 2022. 500,000 Republicans were registered in the state of Florida. At the same time, Florida lost 47,000 Democrats. This is a huge influx in the number of Republicans in the state of Florida in four years. Uh, this yeah, is a massive yeah. migration, half a million people. And part of that is because people moved out of New York and uh, Illinois and, and Democratic-leaning states um, for well, business reasons or whatever, but the politics actually helped. You know, was, and it gave him the sense that what he was doing was right because suddenly there was an oh, – he went from barely winning to an overwhelming victory against a guy with great name recognition who had been governor twice before. And this suggested to him – to double down on what he'd been doing, which is these hard, sort of hard right things, yeah. right? At the after COVID, uh, he had to move sort of into more social issues. I don't have the quote here, by the way, because uh, again, we were using it from Rainer, but uh, Joe Gruders is quoted in the New Time magazine. Uh, there's a cover story of Ron DeSantis, and he talks about how, what this, you know, there was more done this the last two years than the last 23. You know, Republicans have dominated the state for 25 years, something like that, but there's been more done in terms of like really conservative policies in the last two, in the last session. I mean, Again, I, it was historic, what, all the stuff they, they passed here in the last you know, couple of months with uh, immigration, abortion, election, uh, uh, death penalty, you, you know, education. There's so much to do, they talk about there. But, uh, but again, it's going to be, uh, well, you know, we're, we're living through it. We're living through this, this current history right now. Well, Skip and I were riffing on it before, before the show. I mean, there's a good chance he doesn't pivot from, from any no, of this. No, not, not for the next goes, year he's not. Because, because you can't become president until you win the nomination for president, and that means beating Donald Trump. And he's going on, a case, on issues like abortion to the right of the president, right. at least right now. I wanted, and I, only, I want to still save this question because I, hopefully he will be back in town. I wanted to ask him a question Wednesday. It was sho- I thought it was shocking. He didn't take questions. He always takes questions. Oh, um, he didn't take questions at Cambridge. Yeah, he did not. And now we we had lined it because, you know, it was after the Jacksonville mayor election the night before, which a Democrat, Donna Deegan, won uh, 52-48 over the candidate that Ron endorsed, although he really didn't do too much for him. And it was also, out there on the videos. I mean, there was a lot of Well, he, he also uh, uh, supported the uh, Kentucky uh, candidate who lost, uh, finished third. And it was it's so funny to hear Donald Trump, you know, rip on DeSantis for, like, you know, losing these elections and, and, and using talking points that Democrats, like, you know— and really ask him on even talking about the last it's year. Very right. weird getting all the emails from Donald Trump uh, right now, the, the Donald Trump campaign, because you open them up and they read like the old school, like Democratic emails. He's saying like all these bad things about um, DeSantis. And I'm, I'm like, who is this guy? But, you know, we nobody thought Trump could win in 2016. So so I oh, well, I am leaving the door open of for, course. for you the have country to, really, to, yeah. to actually em, em, embrace. Are it. we going to get our, our guest? Yeah, uh, Michelle Lambeau is supposed to be joining us. Okay. I know that she's just coming out. 
out of uh, a court and uh, she's logging in right now. Okay. So I'll go ahead and start our start the interview. So we're going to be joined by uh, a, attorney Michelle Lambeau, who's representing a group of protesters arrested um, in the wake of a March 6th incident at the University of South Florida, where members of Tampa-based Students for a Democratic Society and other groups, uh, they were demanding a meeting with USF President Real Law about expanding uh, black student enrollment and diversity programs. Uh, it was previously reported by uh, CL video from the incident shows USF Police Chief Christopher Daniel grabbing a student, Victoria Hinckley, uh, by the arm as she tries to explain why the students are there. She attempts to pull away in the video, but he tightens his grip and pulls harder. Um, another student who was filming the um, exchange screams, don't touch her. Um, several times she does, and more students rush in um, to get her away. There's another video from that incident that shows um, the students continuing their protests outside of the Patel Center there on the Tampa campus of USF and demanding the release of the others. So more USF officers rush up to the crowd and begin violently arresting people. Another video shows several officers on top of a student as other students scream for them to get off. Um, ironically, Hinckley, who was the first one grabbed uh, by, by the chief, was not arrested. Um, in total, three students, one alumni and one campus worker have been arrested. Um, they are campus worker uh, Chrisley Carpio, students Gia Davila, Laura Rodriguez, Jeannie Kida, and Lauren Pinero, all arrested. Um, they are all charged by the state with disrupting a school or campus function and resisting an officer without violence. Both of those are misdemeanors. And now three of the protesters, um, Carpio, Kida, and Rodriguez, face two felony, felony charges of battery on a law enforcement officer, um, while Debia and Pinero each face another count of battery um, on, on a law enforcement officer. So um, this was breaking on, on Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, Creative Loafing reported that all five entered pleas of not guilty at the Hillsborough um, County Courthouse. So um, I spoke a little bit to Carpio, who, who was let go from her job as a campus worker. Yeah. Uh, they told me yesterday that the union came out in support um, and are filing a grievance on, on uh, Carpio's behalf to the university for a wrongful termination. Um, Carpio added, I was like, can you talk about this? Like, yeah. you know, you're in court now. She, they said, we're not guilty. We're not sorry. We are the ones attacked by USFPD for the simple act of protesting DeSantis and trying to save our schools. Prosecutor Justin Diaz, that's out of SAO 13, uh, formerly run by uh, Andrew, Warren. Andrew Warren, now run by um, Susie Lopez, appointed by DeSantis after Warren was ousted by the governor. Uh, they're demanding uh, those charges be dropped. So I don't know if Michelle is on uh, yet. We'll get we'll get an update. Um, no. From her, she said she's in the waiting room on Zoom, so she should be joining us soon. Um, again, this is the Skinny on WMNF Tampa eight one three two three nine nine six six three. If you want to comment so what on the, this. what are the biggest charges uh, these students are facing? So the felonies charges of battery on on a law enforcement officer. Right. Okay. I mean, so so and 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 the charge stems from usually when you pull that away after they were. Um, engaged. Uh, engaged. Yeah, so how it normally works, and, and uh, Michelle can kind of speak to this, um, is when, when you pull away, sometimes you get charged with battery on a law enforcement yeah. officer. Um, Justin Garcia, who works at the Times now, did some great reporting on, on a protest during the summer of uh, the George Floyd protests out on Dale Mabry. I know the attorney, she wants to get the uh, the, the police chief of USF fired, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to hear that yeah. for, from from Michelle um, um, directly to, to see what is that. But but there is video of, of the chief there active. 
I mean, I think it's kind of, I'm just talking here, speculating, but yeah. I, I think it's kind of weird that a chief would respond to a protest like that. I mean, I don't know when's the last time wow. you saw a chief get in. It's USF, it's USF I mean, right. It's they don't have that many things happen like that. So it's, I, you know, I, I, maybe it's a little different than if it was downtown Tampa. You right, know? right, right. Like, like I don't see Chief Dugan out there. Um, Dugan's gone now. Come on. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, Burkaw, yeah. right? Is that yeah. Uh, Burkaw's Bur- Bur- the one. So, so yeah, I mean. But the, it, I, I also, I was curious about the misdemeanor charge of disrupting school. What was the. It's uh, like disrupting a, wonder, disrupting a school function. Because they were yelling. Um, they were yelling inside of the Patel Center. Um, so, yeah, they're charged with disrupting a school function. And it's interesting that these are college students, and, and we go to college, we send kids uh, to school. You have one uh, at, at Harvard and another um, headed to New York for school. Um, these young people, they, they go to college to further become more complex and nuanced people in society. And I think speaking out for the things that you believe in is oh, a yeah. big is a big part of that. So um 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 college um should be that that kind of place. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take over here. We're still trying to get um Michelle Lambeau on. Uh she has said that uh, I'm here. Oh she is here. Hello, welcome. We were scrambling. Hello. Thank you so much. Glad to have you on. Sorry about the technical difficulties if it was on our end. Uh, Michelle, did, did you did you hear that? So so um, I don't know how much you heard of what we talked about, but I know that on Wednesday uh, you entered a not guilty plea on behalf of, of five protesters. We're wondering what the next steps are uh, for for the this group after that. Um, well, the next steps would be getting discovery witness lists from the state, police reports, any photographs of any alleged injuries to the alleged victims of the bat leo charges um and i will be doing a motion to compel all of chief daniel's phone records from march 6th of 2023 because Mm -hmm. i want to know what he was doing when he was sitting on top of my client with his cell phone out appearing to me to take a photograph oh interesting um, so, okay, you mentioned the discovery, um, asking for things like that. What is it about this case that you've seen to date already that leads you to believe that the protesters um, can win this? Based on the case law at this point, um, you can use non-deadly force in defense of yourself if law enforcement is arresting you lawfully or unlawfully and they are using excessive force. Um, the violence was also initiated by the chief of police when he reached out and grabbed one of the young people and started yanking on her arm. Um, he's, it's also alleged that they were told to leave. However, you know, what we saw in 2020, TPD would bring out, I can't remember what the name of it was that they called it. It was like a, a, a rad or RCAT or something. It's like a big announcement that they bring the machine out and it says, this has been deemed an unlawful assembly. You have 10 minutes to disperse. And it basically counts down, but it informs everybody, hey, you can't do this. You got to get out of here. Please disperse. Or at this point, we will start arresting you. 
and you did not. There's nowhere, no video where where that is evidently happening in this particular action on March sixth. No, from the videos that I have seen, and from what you can hear in the videos, um, law enforcement. You know, Mr. Marshall, who is not a sworn law enforcement officer. I don't recall what his position at USF is. Um, I believe he works at the Marshall Student Center, but I'm not 100% sure on that. He is um, engaging with one of the protesters up at the banner. Behind the banner, so you have the banner, you have the front of the banner where most of the protesters are located chanting, then you have the banner, and then behind the banner, you have an army of law enforcement. Okay. And if you're just joining us, the voice you're hearing is Michelle Lambeau, attorney for five Tampa protesters facing a mix of felonies and misdemeanors in the wake of a March 16th protest against uh, DeSantis's DEI initiatives and um, black enrollment at the University of South Florida. Lambeau is re- representing all of them. We have a phone call here. Let's, let's take that. Hey, you're on there at WMNF. Hi, Simone. Simone, are you there? Simone? Simone? Simone's not there. So I'm going to ask you another question here, Um, Michelle. You know, your name, I'm familiar with it. Um, I'll kind of go back to October 2021 when you stood with Jamie Bullock um, at at the same courthouse after the state dropped similar charges against her. Jamie Bullock, uh, for the too long don't read, was arrested uh, during a George Floyd protest and also charged with battery on a law enforcement officer. Uh, The state dropped its case after a lack of evidence. How familiar does this case feel uh, to you, what are some of the uh, similarities and, and uh, differences between the two? Um, well, I think law enforcement in both matters have exaggerated, um, exaggerated their narrative, or maybe they don't, you know, necessarily accurately recall everything because it was a hectic situation. But I see a lot of similarities in the sense that you have law enforcement engaging with protesters and initiating all of the violent contact. Okay. And I think we have Simone back here. I'm sorry, Simon. Simon. Simon, Simon, are you there? Simon. Simon, you're on WMNF. Something going on with the phones uh, um, today. Sorry, Simon. We're going to try to get you on. You're listening to the voice of Michelle Lambo, who's our guest here on The Skinny on WMNF Tampa. Um, you can try calling or maybe send an email right now, dj at wmnf.org. Um, staying on the Jamie on the Jamie Bullock thing and, and you representing young people, and, and you know these are not easy cases um, to pick up. Can you talk about the resolve of, of these young... Are you able to talk about that, Michelle? Because... These kids are facing serious jail time. Their names get tossed into the internet and, and, and forever will be associated with this kind of action. Why, why are these you know, protesters continuing to go through this, not taking plea deals? And, and can you talk about the character and resolve of, of your clients and, and, and uh, their fellow protesters? Um, I know that everybody I have represented thus far um, who has been arrested protesting they not only are have they been not guilty of what was alleged, but, but they've actually been innocent as well. Um, law enforcement comes in, uses force, excessive force, and all hell breaks loose. It ends up being a chaotic scene. I think part of it is 
I think part of it is, you know, you have law enforcement officers who typically are respected when they give orders, they're followed and they, they get upset when their orders are not followed and they overreact. They behave in a way that they should not be behaving. Um, with the Jamie Bullock situation, the protests that were going on in the summer of 2020, you had 16 members of a bike unit. And on July 4th of 2020, only four members of that bike unit were activated with TPD. And you saw in the, the video, you know, their narrative is not what is reflected in the videos. Their narrative is that, oh, we, you know, pulled up and told them to stop. But the videos show something completely different. The videos show them hauling ass down a side street and basically plowing into kids. Mm -hmm. And you have a very similar situation here where law enforcement is saying, we told them to leave. We told them this was unlawful. But you don't hear that on any of the videos that I've seen thus far. What you see is you see the chief of police standing behind Matt Marshall. You can, it appears to me he's starting to get frustrated and aggravated because these students are not listening to him or these protesters are not listening to him. And he loses his stuff and starts yanking on one of them, almost knocking her over. And then all hell breaks loose. And we just got a few more minutes, Ben. Yeah, uh, Simon finally got a question through. Were, were, were these students offered a plea deal, uh, dropping some of the charges or all of the charges if they apologized to the arresting officers? What was discussed was something that is referred to as pre-file diversion. Um, that was not necessarily offered. The discussions that were had were, is this something the state would consider if, it was something my clients were willing to accept. The state advised that they would consider it. However, um, they weren't going to jump through a million hoops to get that approved if it wasn't something my clients would consider. We discussed the letter of apology. Um, I advised the state that if a letter of apology was required, I had an imagination that that would probably be a sticking point that would be a no-go for them. Um, and that ended up be, being the major sticking point. All right. Because my clients, you know, believe in their own innocence. I believe in their own innocence. And I know that the truth will prevail. That's the voice of Michelle Lambeau, Tampa Bay attorney, representing five protesters arrested in the wake of a March 6th incident at the University of South Florida. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll be watching this as, um, as it unfolds. Thank you for having me. Of course, we'll talk soon. Uh, this is the voice of Ray Roa, Editor-in-Chief at Creative Loafing Tampa Bay. I'm joined by independent journalist Ben Montgomery here. Mitch is going to be out next week. So so next week, Ben, we're going to do an Ebor show. Is that what Ebor you decided? show, yeah, baby. So get your questions ready. Listen, if you know anything about Ebor past, Ebor present, or Ebor future, we want Let's you to join this uh, conversation. Yeah, so tune in uh, next week. Uh, this is WMNF Tampa. You've been listening to The Skinny. We're on every Friday from 11 a.m. Well, 11.01 to, to noon um, every day. Skip Sassy, thank you for running the board for us today. Thank you to our phone operators, and thank you for the station. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Next week. Music or not? I can sing. 
Sometimes it just don't go. Sometimes it doesn't go, but it's going to go. Yeah, so... <laughs> Community so, radio, ladies and gentlemen. So we will... Uh, hey. There it is. All right, guys. Thanks See ya. Tuning in.